Welcome to the Hope Through the Fire podcast. I am Bob, and I am sitting next to my beautiful co-host, Kelly. Hey, everybody. Glad you could join us today for episode 12. Before we get started, you probably should give a quick update on how you're doing health-wise. In our last episode, we talked a lot about Bob's COVID journey, so it might be a good time to give a little update on how you're feeling. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good, and uh, my strength is and energy is up, and it's it's really good in the mornings, and then when the afternoon hits, right after lunch, I usually got to take a two-hour nap. Must and, be nice. Uh, yeah, it must be nice. It is nice, actually. It really <laughs> is. Um, I'm still on two liters of oxygen all the time, and that really helps keep the oxygen levels consistently high, and then anytime I get off of, off of it to for whatever reason, then it kind of goes down, dips down. So there's a lot of times where I get really frustrated because I got to drag this oxygen tank uh, all over, all over the place with me wherever I go. Which, by the way, our kids now refer to as Spot. Yeah, or Bob Junior. Yeah, I don't know where those names came from, but it's kind of funny. They're always like saying, "Oh, we stepped on Spot," you know, my cords, you know, and stuff. And uh, but it, it goes with me everywhere I go. Sometimes it gets tangled up. If I go in the kitchen, then it gets caught on the refrigerator at the on the bottom floor there and it drives me insane sometimes we may or may not tie them off to things just to keep them leashed yeah when i get when i get really annoying then you just go and like you know pinch kink it a little bit kink my cord and stop the oxygen flow i don't know how that knot got there yeah 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 you devious people you but uh but you know so but on a serious note though there's been many anxious moments that i've had to have to go through i constantly thinking like is my oxygen levels up and I've woken up in the middle of the night uh, panicking. It's been kind of crazy. Um, but God has had to remind me in these times, uh, even in the times when I get really frustrated and I, I just get tired of having all this going on, God has to remind me to be grateful and, and to where, uh, and to help me to realize that he has brought me along so far along uh, in this recovery because there are so many friends of mine Young, younger than I am, who are battling for their life right now. And my heart goes out to the, them and their families, and we're praying for a full recovery for them. And so, so uh, it, it's been a rough, rough uh, recovery, but it's not been as bad as, as uh, some of my friends are experiencing right now. Yes, we are truly grateful. We know this could have ended very differently, so we're so thankful for how God has taken care of and provided for us through this whole through this whole mess. Yes. But today we're going to talk about a very important topic, and that topic is depression. We're going to jump right into this episode because our guest today has a lot to say concerning this topic. A few weeks ago, we had our friend Seth Alcorn that was on our podcast, and we he helped us to understand there's a difference between anxiety and depression. And we're thankful for Seth taking the time to share his story of how the Lord has helped him through this anxiety. Today, our guest is going to share how the Lord has helped him through depression and how he deals with that on a regular basis. I know what he has to say is going to be a huge help to many who are listening today who've had struggles in this area. And I've been looking forward to this episode because we have the, the great privilege and honor to interview our boss. Honor. Bum, bum, hey, bum. how often do you get to do that, to interview your boss? Hopefully we've prepared the questions properly, and there'll be no repercussions <laughs> for any of the questions that yeah, I asked. Maybe only once. <laughs> <laughs> Fired. So if you've tuned in to past episodes, we've shared how God has led Kelly and I to come here on staff at First Christian Church here in Greenville, Tennessee. And we have our pastor, Scott Wakefield, on the podcast with us. You heard him talk just a few minutes ago. Scott, it is so wonderful to have you, my friend. Yeah, 
Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to share about being depressed, as you say, uh, on a regular basis. Thank you for that. Sorry, came no, out wrong. Yeah. <laughs> if there's anything I love, it's being on full public display in this kind of way. <clears throat> because the fishbowl of criticism of uh, ministry life isn't enough, so bring on the constant judgment and criticism. I like to focus that microscope a little by coming on a podcast and speaking publicly of my personal struggles and failures. <laughs> this is going to be a great episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of this is going to be a great episode. By the way, before we go any further, it's Kelly and me. Oh. Not Kelly and I. Well, I always make the, the English faux pas. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so God let Kelly and me on staff at First Christian Church. And also your strength and energy are up. And uh, you were awakened in the middle of <laughs> All the of this will be edited. Yes. And now you all know what we deal with on a regular, on a daily yeah. basis. So anyway, great to be here. <laughs> I'm here to be the... Uh, the Eng English grammar Nazi. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that, fire boss. grammar officer. <laughs> I like it. We're going to give you an official title with a button. Yes, I want a badge, please. Grammar Nazi. Yes. I'm sure he does this. If he's ever listened to any of our episodes, he has probably picked apart the entire thing. Oh, every time, probably. Um, only one and a half of them. Only one and a half Because that's okay. all he's listened to. Because <laughs> that's all I've listened to. He couldn't to. stand it I have not yet gotten through the other nine and a half that exist <laughs> to, uh, to criticize the grammar and all those. Well, well now, you have, the best. now you have a whole library of episodes <laughs> where you can criticize and have fun with it. Thank you. <laughs> one of my favorite uh, mugs or t-shirts is the one that says, uh, my mother-in-law has this. She has the same disease. Actually, all mine. Parents and parents-in-law have this disease. It's their fault, really. Um, the mug that says, I'm silently correcting your grammar. <laughs> yeah, That's for sure. That sure. Well, Bob makes it easy. Yeah. No offense, but he makes it easy to. This, this episode is not about me, though. So That's true, but <laughs> we're going to make it about you, and we're going to pick out all the words and that you And have a whole wrong. lot of fun picking. Scott and I have been collecting a group of words that you mess we up do on a regular basis. We have a list basis. that has begun to list. take shape. Yes. Go ahead, have fun. Tell the world about no, it's my right. That's a future it's, podcast. It's a future podcast. <laughs> so it is great to have you with us today. Tell us a little bit about your family. Do you have wife, kids, dogs, cats, hobbies, etc.? Yes, yes. My wife, Dagny, and I, um, D-A-G-N-Y, Dagny. A lot of people see it and they say, Dagny. Um, Dagny is a Norwegian word, uh, name, uh, from a couple sort of generations ago. Um, cool, I don't think I Would have been that. like uh, an older person a couple generations ago, a name that's not really used so much anymore, but huh. um, was part Pretty of our family. Cool. So Dagny and I, um, by the way, and I there is a proper use of and I. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. For We've been married for almost part. 24 years. We met at Wheaton College in Chicago in 1994 while playing on the men's and women's soccer teams. Wow. No way. Yes, indeed. The teams had that. traveled together to San Antonio, Texas. Wow. And uh, I took notice of her at the Riverwalk downtown, if you've ever seen. It's a lovely, wonderful, romantic place. Awesome. We have never yet been back. We need to go back someday. Me too. Um, maybe on the 25th year. Hey, hey, dog. Go. Let's go on the 25th year. So I took notice of her, and uh, so after we had some scintillating conversation, of course, and uh, engaged in some innocent flirting, um, after that weekend, on the next Monday, in my college post office box, I received a lovely Ooh. little typewritten note from Dagny about how much she enjoyed our time together, how scintillating the conversation <laughs> was, how much she respects me, and how awesome I am, yada, yada. <laughs> yada, yada. Um, and then on the bottom, actually written out, the rest was typewritten, written out at the bottom said, P.S., 
hope to see you again sometime soon, smiley face. Mm. Oh, it was that smiley face. Yeah, yeah. Definitely yeah. the smiley yeah. face. It was for sure. Yeah. For sure. But I'm, I'm interested of the flirting part. How did you do the pickup lines? Was it like useless facts or, you know, just kind of geeky I was correcting stuff? her grammar. And correcting, correcting her grammar? grammar. And she was, was like, oh, you're just like my own family. <laughs> <laughs> do you still have the note? Um, yes, I do. That's yes. pretty awesome. Uh, and in fact, looking back, I, I realized that was recently I realized that was the first time I saw a smiley emoji like in my huh. life. Mm. Really? Yeah. And so that's how she, she did it wrote before that. they were cool. <laughs> before she was doing it before. Yeah. yeah. Before we all are now on our phones. <laughs> Hope to see you again sometime soon. Exclamation point. Smiley. That's how I knew I, I had to go ahead to ask her out. Yeah. Cool. And thus For was sure. Wakefield family history made. Nice. That is awesome. I don't think I've ever heard that story. Yeah. Love it. Part of it that I left untold is I was a senior and she was a freshman for the record. Wow. Yes. Nice. nice. Very nice. Yes, indeed. By the way, part two, um, and I, as I was saying that earlier, I've not thought of this as clearly as this, but the smiley emoji thing is part of like my mental picture of her, Aww. right? So like my first smiley face emoji memory, smiley face emoji memory, wow. <laughs> My first Crazy smiley face say. emoji memory came from my wife who embodies it. Wow. Wow. That so every is, time you see a, you use a smiley face on that's your text romantic. now, do you think, dog me? Um, I have, yes. That's kind of cool. Remind yeah, me not absolutely. to use smiley face emojis when I send him any text. <laughs> awkward. <laughs> that would be awkward. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, indeed. So, anyway, so I digress as I want to do. So you're a pastor yes. here in Greenville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And if anybody knows anything about Greenville, Tennessee, it is redneck country. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry to all of our listeners who are. But I say that in a respectful yeah. way. Very redneck. respectful. Yeah, in the nicest way possible. Very southern here. And I don't. But there is no hint of southern accent in your voice. So tell our listeners where you're originally from. You're not a native of Greenville, are you? Correct. I am not a native of Greenville. Greenville. Yes. G R A I N V U L L. That's how you say it around here in these parks. Actually, there are quite a few mispronounceable parts around here. Mm-hmm. Um, in, Which probably drives you nuts. <laughs> um, well, when we first got here, there's a part in the West County called Mossheim. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> early on here in ministry, I was out front during the service saying something about Mosheim. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. it's spelled M-O-S-H-E-I-M. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I didn't know it was German. Um, but the veteran... Mm-hmm. Brain billions right there quickly and uh, very decisively corrected me at the moment. Um, so it was also, by the way, the first time we have ever had any kind of talkback or interaction from the congregation here at Fresh Christian Church. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Not normal sure. fare for us. That's, That's most time. Not normal fare for us. <laughs> We've been married since 1997, 24 years. God's blessed us with three of the coolest kids on the planet, 1916 awesome. and 8. Um, we have two beasts mm-hmm. at home. Cool. I call them beasts. They're not dogs. They're beasts of my personal burden. (laughs) Um, And they're beasts because I allow them to live in my house. Not because I like them, but because I love my family. (laughs) So I keep a healthy sort of alpha male power and distance over them Mm -hmm. by acknowledging that they exist. But that's it. Only so that they know that I'm in charge and that they do not have any authority over the house. uh, And that their role is to make the rest of my family feel good and to stay out of my way. Grew up doing lots of sports and music. Sing and play piano, guitar, smidge of drums, played baseball, basketball, did some track. Uh, I was all state in Ohio in 1991 for the record. For the record. Nice. Yes, a few know huh. that. 
um, mostly because of the other three on the relay team I was on. <laughs> but <Yeah>. I digress. <laughs> um, and I also played the beautiful game we Americans know as soccer. Football. Football. Um, uh, I follow Barcelona. So I don't just follow them because of Messi. But while we're on it, Lionel Messi is the greatest player to ever play the game. Next question. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Do you want to know some more hobbies? Because I got plenty more of we're good. my <laughs> ridiculous verbiage in here. That <laughs> Kelly like, asked. I feel like we know enough about you. Can we you please now? move on? Please stop. <laughs> so how long have you been in Greenville? Um, we have, have been, have been here been? for almost, well, 19 full years. 19. And have you been at First Christian Church since then? 19 full years. 19 full years. Okay. Pastoring the whole time? Um, I came as the youth guy. Um, knowing that my predecessor would be a good person to be mentored under and work with. Um, and, and I was actually seeking out a, a, a situation like that, not knowing that I would become what we at the time called senior minister, um, not knowing that, but kind of hoping that I could find a place where someone was looking to retire in the not-too-distant future mm -hmm. um, so that I could learn from him. Cool. Yeah, Very it cool. worked great. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell us some background of... FCC, as we say, First Christian Church, many of our listeners are from Greenville, mm -hmm. and many of them are wondering or very curious of who your favorite employees are. Hint, hint, it's us, right? right? I would say that our lead pastor is my favorite employee. Oh, he's oh, a good guy. Sense. He's really easy to lead. He doesn't complain a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'd say he's the hardest to lead, frankly. <laughs> um, and y'all are wonderfully easy to lead so far. <laughs> Thank you. But yes. there's plenty of time to ruin that honeymoon, so yeah, the jury's still out. We're new in, so. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be uh, gone very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so First Christian Church, um, I characterize us as coming out of a theological movement that was fiercely biblicist. Like we had a whole bunch of ways that we would say, uh, no creed but Christ, no book but the Bible, mm -hmm. um, Bible words for Bible things, a whole bunch of those kinds of sort of phrases, and, and frankly, looking back, I think, sloganeering, um, that was sort of a hermeneutical thing for who we were and how we interpreted the scriptures and what, what church was. Um, but that came out of a really fierce, anti-creedal, non-denominational, um, sort of Bible church before Bible church became a thing. So today we are, um, we're, we're, we're more confessional than our roots, um, which is why I feel like I feel like I can say we are even more explicitly Bible-based and Christ-centered in our polity and mm -hmm. strategies now than we've been in our past. Uh, we're an entirely congregational church led by, by a plurality of elders. Um, we have two sites. We're working to our third. No. So Is there something I missed that you want me to cover there? Because as a people pleaser, I want to know if there's something that you were looking for that I didn't put in there. You're good. You're good. We do have one very important question. Okay. Are you, as the Germans would say, Oof. a Morgenmuffel or a morning or a Morgenmensch, a morning person? Mm. So Morgenmuffel meaning that you're not a morning person. You're kind of a jerk until you have your coffee and mm -hmm. you, which one would you say you are? Mm -hmm. Morgenmuffel, Morgenmensch. I know that on the inside I am one way, but I have learned to become the other. So what I would say is, ich habe mich diszipliniert and Morgenmensch zu sein. Oh, nice. nice. Very, very nice. Yeah. Right, do you have any idea what you just said? Um, I said I have something about learned to discipline myself to be a morning person. Very good. There you go. Excellent. Very yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. By the way, bad. Morgan uh, Muffle is M-O-R-G-E-N. You spelled it in your notes, A-N. <laughs> He's correcting my German. German. Oh, my it. word. I love yeah. it. 
That's that's yeah, Google awesome. Translate helped me with that one. Yeah, okay. Yes. But Google Translate sometimes messes <laughs> yeah. it up too. So I'm definitely a morning person. And the reason is sort of associated with what we're talking about. And yes, we can talk about depression here soon. Um, <laughs> we'll <laughs> related we'll to the depression there. thing. For me, it had to become a pattern of life into which I disciplined myself so that I could have a significant amount of quiet time at the beginning of my day because it's the mm. only time of the day I can control. Mm. And so if I don't get that, um, Doesn't happen. Yeah, I, uh, that I, makes sense. yeah. So, for me, that's part of how I know I'm ready to do the day. Yeah, cool. I like it. And what it's time? It's part you, of the day you can control. What time do you start your day? Which I don't want to say all, that out loud. I, it's very early. <laughs> very early. We Just all know that. For the, for the record, it's extremely early. Now, everyone who knows you, Scott, knows that you love coffee. Kelly mentioned needing the coffee to get your morning going. Is right. that a thing? I'm on number three right now. Yeah. <laughs> number but three. But is that a thing? Like, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee? Or are you pretty like, hey, it's morning. Let's just get this day it's started. It's not so much Coffee's a thing great, but just by default because I'm up so much earlier than everybody else that I'm on number two by the time anybody else right. is awake. Wow. <laughs> so f- functionally, no. <laughs> but if, if the time were later, it would be... Do not yeah. look me in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> and by the end of the day, what cup are we on? Um, I stop, you know, when you get to about 50, you learn <laughs> to stop at a certain time. Wow. And so, uh, why? Did that sound old to you? What? 50? Oh, um, I'm sorry. Are you talking 50 I thought you meant 50, 50 cups. cups. Oh, wow. oh, I thought 50 cups too. I was like, cups. dude. You're talking about age. You're over here thinking you're saying cups. It's like somebody has a problem. <laughs> I do have a massively driven inner disposition, but that would be problematic and yeah. your bladder um, your poor bladder good gracious well i do go many times a day however Thanks i usually sharing. get to about uh four ish and about three o'clock i'm done at the latest okay, that's not i'll bad. do three in the mornings and then one early afternoon ish that's, that's it that's not crazy now there's down from six there's a bunch six. of different beans and stuff like this yes, i don't know do. anything about coffee mm-hmm. what kind of coffee beans do you like the best um <clears throat> i like um most forms of pea berry, and a pea berry is a bean that's smaller and it's more condensed, and its taste is sweeter because of that. Mm. So I don't really like as many of the like dark and chocolatey mm-hmm. beans. Robust um, roast. Yeah, um, the you know Charbuck cigarette blend. I like the <laughs> sweeter because because there's more tastes mm-hmm. to that. So I like a there's a Costa Rican I really like. Rwanda is often very good. Uh, so you're Ethiopia. a coffee connoisseur. You don't just drink coffee because it's there. Like you experience coffee. I do few things superficially, sadly. That is true. Because that is a, a tyranny in its its own right. <laughs> and then I do have to ask: Have you ever tried the coffee that comes from cat excrement? Mm-hmm. I've heard it's a delicacy in parts of the world. Um, yes, Kopi Luwak. You have tried it, um, or civet coffee. Yes, uh, I have. Once. That's a shock. <laughs> um, but. I think it was a not so fresh batch, um, so That's it was okay. it was fine. It wasn't necessarily good. Um, it was just you know, yeah. It it, it didn't taste poopy. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> but it wasn't awesome. It was coffee. Was it like? Did you have to like turn your brain off in order to drink it? Like knowing it's I, I couldn't do it. I don't think. Um, I, I'm that way. Yeah. I have to decide. I will do this thing because mm-hmm. I'm already emotionally in a place where I'm like, this is cat poop. It it can't be good. It feels wrong, <laughs> yeah. right? So yeah, it can't be right just because it feels. I don't so remember right. exactly that moment, but I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely have to be a brain turning off yes. moment for me. Now I have no no way to know how to go from talking about cat poop <laughs> to talking about something serious. But 
Transition. On a serious note. That's a great transition. <laughs> one thing that Kelly and I appreciate about you is your transparency. And we've, we were always taught uh, in, that church leaders should bottle up everything and, in a sense, hide things about their life from the church staff and congregation. But that's not a philosophy you hold to, right? You, you, you're pretty open. You're pretty honest about things in your life. Oh, um, at times, painfully. Yeah, <laughs> at times, yes. But I love... You didn't have to agree so readily. Sorry. <laughs> but I, I'm it's cool. Go ahead. Little, sorry. <laughs> I'm not offended. Go ahead. No, we have appreciated yes, that so we much. Have. <clears throat> we have. And I, I know one of our bullet points here at... Um, FCC with our team code that we have is leading with vulnerability. Mm-hmm. How did you come to that conclusion and why is that so important in leadership? Yeah. So I determined early on in ministry um, that I couldn't lead a church where it wasn't okay to be a real person and struggle with real things and to not be okay. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be part of a community of believers where the pharisaical fakery that I grew up with sort of ruled the culture so that it wasn't acceptable to actually struggle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where it wasn't acceptable to be a broken sinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I also, early on in ministry, realized that those under my care wouldn't feel safe to share their struggles in life if I didn't. Um, and so early on, and that time still, that's kind of threatening to a church culture that won't abide anything other than perfection, mm-hmm. right? Or at least the outward semblance of it. Yeah. So I determined early on that I was going to do my best to <laughs> forcefully crush the expectations of perfection. <laughs> wow. In terms of my yeah. relationships with people around me. Yeah. Um, because, because that that culture, um, that a form of legalism, uh, becomes soul crushing. Um, I know I couldn't do it. It's not grace. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we used to have on what we staff called, uh, we used to have ministry filters. That was the first version of the team code. Mm. And there were ways that we were thinking about how we lead in ministry and how we relate to one another on staff. And uh, one of my favorites that became we lead with vulnerability was no fig leaves allowed. Um, so oh, wow. <clears throat> from the early you yeah. know, chapters of Genesis, of course, right, right. Um, <laughs> we determined we were going to try to be no fig leaves allowed people and deal with the consequences in a way that meant that we learned to need to live by grace with one another relationally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if you get there easily without forcing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, cause there's, there's a sense in which grace is not normal, not natural. Right. Yeah. It's exactly. It's supernatural. Yeah, it is for sure. Sure. Yep. So one of the things you're very open about is your depression, and I have to oh, fix what yes. I said in the beginning that you deal with it on a regular basis. By that, I meant <laughs> you have dealt with depression in the past, and from time to time you deal with it now. Sorry. Yes, I, I have a mini so. depression from Thursday-ish when the sermon is done until I deliver it on Sunday morning. Gotcha. Yeah. Each week. Every yes. week. That's so what I, I meant. There are a good three days <laughs> of mini depression for me. But tell us kind of your story. When did you first realize that you were dealing with depression? I know you battled it on and off. Kind of give us a better understanding. What is depression for maybe someone who doesn't know, doesn't deal with it? Yeah. Um, so, according to psychiatry.org, which at least sounded official enough to, to I, me to I trust like it. it. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Of course, like it. Natural. it's on the internet. It's true. <laughs> yeah. they, they may be a totally so corrupt bunch of incompetent posers, but uh, it sounded official. So, according to psychiatry.org, depression causes feelings of sadness and/or a loss of interest in activities you once enjoyed. 
It can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems and can decrease your ability to function at work and at home. Um, I've been to clinical burnout twice in the sense that I was seeing professionals Hmm. and they said, this is clinical burnout, um, born of depression. Hmm. I've been there twice um, in ministry. um, And so symptoms, according to, you know, the professionals, and it can range from mild to severe. It includes things like I already said, feeling sad, feeling a depressed mood, uh, loss of interest or pleasure in activities once enjoyed, changes in appetite, Mm. weight loss or weight gain uh, that's usually unrelated to dieting. Mm -hmm. Um, I've So far of all of these that I'll list, one, two, three, nine, um, Mm. I had versions of all of these. Mm. Um, Trouble sleeping or sleeping too much. Uh, For me, it was trouble sleeping. Mm. Uh, for me, I also, the changes in appetite was weight loss and gain. Hmm. Back and forth. Back and wow. forth. Yeah. Um, which is not uncommon. No. Um, loss of energy or increased fatigue, for sure. Um, an increase in purposeless physical activity hmm. or slowed movements or speech. Um, I, I experienced some of that at the time. Um, I'm a bit of a weirdo, though. I don't, I don't typically... And some of this is learned and a disciplined thing for me. I don't typically downgrade my activity level. Hmm. I typically go the right. freakish opposite direction. Right. Yeah. Um, Try to overcompensate for. Yeah. Um, feeling worthless or guilty. Um, difficulty thinking, concentrating, making decisions. That for me was a big one because really? I do not have difficulty doing that stuff. Hmm. Hmm. I already know what you're going to say. I'm 10 steps ahead. I've already thought about it. I'm waiting for you to catch up. Uh, I've got the thing. Yeah. Just please stop talking so I can tell you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is not as true now as I say that, of course. But that used to be how I operated with people. Right. Um, And when I realized, oh, my goodness. uh, Like, I'm sorry, what? What were you you saying? Um, Yeah. And I wouldn't be hearing. And I'm a 100% extrovert. Every single time I take a test, 100%. Um, and so that people activity, I would begin to notice, oh, I don't really care what they're saying and I'm not tracking and I'm not concentrating. And, um, and people would ask me, Hey Scott, what should we do about, I'm, I don't know, something, do something, just please do something. <laughs> um, that was a, a thing for me that especially among these symptoms was a sign. Um, and then thoughts of death or suicide. Hmm. Um, this is not fun to say out loud and pastors aren't allowed to right. in, you know, in a lot of people's emotional ways of thinking about all this emotional ways of thinking um their emotional filters for this for pastors don't allow this but i i definitely struggled with that mm. well no question yeah. um i went through bouts and still occasionally i'm like i do not want to keep living mm. Mm. because the pressures and weights and responsibilities of the things is too much mm. yeah um and so it's it's a multifactored thing mm-hmm. uh, but so all of those things, basically, yeah. um, I've had, sometimes still have, um, according to the professionals, it must last at least two weeks, hmm. um, which I would say is on the short end. Most folks, if you're really depressed, it'll last easily for many weeks, if mm-hmm. not to months. Yeah, much longer. Um, and it becomes, I, I don't remember the exact threshold at which they say clinical something or other, clinical depression or something like that, but it, it's a certain number of months typically. 
Um, so symptoms must last at least two weeks and represent a change in your previous level of functioning hmm. for a, an official diagnosis. Wow. Um, wow. So I, I distinctly remember <clears throat> one particular moment when I first realized hmm. um, that I was truly depressed. And it was not something that I had ever noticed or struggled with that much until then. Um, I realized I was struggling with almost all of these symptoms. Um, it was about, um, and I, I think I had been struggling with some of them, but, but didn't they didn't all come it. together. I didn't recognize <clears throat> it. Um, and I was able to make the stuff happen and do the things I need to do um, in the various categories of my life at home and at work um, without, without affecting things too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized about 15, 16 years ago, um, I had only been what we then called senior minister for about six months or so. And I came home from work one day. And of course, you know, the kids run in mm-hmm. and they're all like, daddy, daddy, they run up <laughs> and you give you those wonderful daddy hugs. Um, daddy's home. And, uh, it's like, they can't wait to see you. So for years we had called that giving daddy gas, <laughs> which now that I say that out loud on a podcast, I realize has a couple connotations. It does. It does. Um, but of course for us, it was like, Hey, was- I love hugging you and you love hugging me cause we're, we're helping fill each other's tanks and it mm-hmm. feels good. And it, and expresses, uh, God's love and blessing for us to one another. And we were talking about it in those terms with them, mm-hmm. right? Um, so they understood giving daddy gas. And it, mm. so it was this cool little joke with us. And uh, so, by the way, that's a great way to train your kid uh, in an unhealthy way to become your emotional regulator that they yeah. uh, later have to work on in counseling. <laughs> so yeah, you can use that trick. Um, so anyway, I came home I one day. I had to give daddy gas every day. <laughs> <laughs> he kept saying something about giving giving him gas, and I realized he's made me a crazy person. Um, so I came home one day, and um, I had been doing this thing where I pull into the garage, and I I just was so tired and so spent, and I was out among people doing visitation mm-hmm. and, and things like that for three, four, sometimes five nights a week mm-hmm. for a long, long time, and so I would pull into the garage, sit there in the car, and I realized this third or fourth night in a row where I just stared straight ahead in the garage going, uh, and, and that's not like me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I w- had been sitting there for you know, 10-ish minutes, just kind of sitting in the sadness and grief of it all, um, knowing I've got, to, I've got to make a switch mm. for my family when I go upstairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, so I would be sitting there in the garage And so I walked upstairs, I sat on the couch, and the moment was, the kids come up, they started giving me gas, and I realized something's very wrong Mm. because this isn't working. Uh, The gas from my kids wasn't working. So that was a marker for me where Mm. I began to realize um, a little more seriously what had been going on. Wow. Yeah. So we grew up in an environment where depression was a taboo subject, or just not talked about, or just not experienced. Yeah. Um, if someone was depressed, they were just not trusting God enough. That's right. After dealing with a small bout of depression myself in our early days in Germany, I know it's a very real thing, and there was yeah. nothing I could do to pull myself out of it. Can you kind of talk to the fact that many Christians, more than will be willing to admit it, deal with depression on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. I know people probably think they're bad Christians because they're dealing with depression. They don't want others to know because it'll make them look like bad Christians. Um, I've known many people like yourself who have a very strong faith in God, believe in God's sovereignty. Um, But we've known people who, like yourself, who have a strong faith in God, 
believe in his sovereignty and fully trust in him and believe him for everything, but still deal with depression. Can you speak into that a little bit? What is it like? Maybe talk to the fact that it's okay to not be okay sometimes and what that looks like for you. Yeah. Um, I think the opposite of saying it's okay to not be okay, Mm -hmm. with which I agree. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The opposite of saying that is it's not okay Mm -hmm. to not be perfect. Yeah. Mm. Um, I just don't think it's real life in a broken world to expect anything remotely bordering on perfection from sinners. Right. I actually think it's bad theology. Yeah. Um, it turns human beings into little messiahs mm-hmm. in a way that isn't grace, yeah. that demands more of people than they can give this side of eternity, um, that demands more of people than God made them to be able to give mm-hmm. because what they need actually comes from him. Mm-hmm. So I think it also ultimately detracts from the goodness and glory of his salvation yes. for us, of his perfect, holy yeah. righteousness. Yeah. Um, so I think it's damaging to act like it's not okay to express the things that are struggles for us. Mm-hmm. Um, there are limits. Sure. Um, I, for one, don't <laughs> like to be... Um, uh, you know, we used to quote joke about EGR people, extra grace required folks. And extra grace required folks in ministry are those who are who are entirely coming at you all the time mm-hmm. with their things, and that's all that that's that's that is your relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not how are you, right? What can I learn about you? Yeah. How's it going for you? Yeah. What's going on in your family? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? Those th- kinds of things are not a part of the equation, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So I, I, there are limits to this. Sure, um, it's unhealthy um, to to talk too much mm-hmm. um, about some things that become their own. I think negative self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, for one, try not to talk about it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to balance that, but I do think it's damaging to quash. Mm-hmm. Um, a culture of people being safe to speak with others who are believers saved by grace. Um, I think it is damaging to make it unsafe for people to talk about the things they struggle with. Yeah. All right. I agree. It teaches, it teaches, uh, that's really good. It teaches the opposite of grace. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great answer. And when you're talking about grace and it was just a beautiful way how you were saying that it's, it's what we need. We need grace and no matter what we're dealing with. So, in um in your moments of dealing with your personal depression and when you're struggling with it, what are some of the things that you would do to uh, to get through it? Um, I know that there's no way to just get over depression. So necessarily, it's not necessarily that you get over it, but what are some of the things that help you in the middle of that fire, things that remind you uh, of God and who he is and that he's with you? And is there something like that that helps you through all that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I have had to practice intentionally being thoughtful mm-hmm. uh, and grateful for the blessings of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not my tendency. Yeah. My tendency is to see everything that's wrong everywhere yeah. and to wallow in that negativity. Um, because, because for me, I'm constantly thinking, how can this system get better? How can this um, staff get better? How can this church do these things better? How can our outreach systems and structures, how can our personal pastoral care, you know, I'm, I'm constantly mm-hmm. seeing these things around me going, uh, this part's broken, we got to fix this. 
Um, the way I said that in the sermon, well, that was dumb. Um, yeah. I, I've had to practice being intentionally thoughtful and grateful for God's blessings, not just in salvation. Mm -hmm. That part, in a sense, is, quote, easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because it's kind of, this is going to sound bad coming from pastor, but there's a sense in which it's theoretical in that it's easy to just give an intellectual and emotional assent to right. mm -hmm. without right. practical handles. Yeah. So I have to make the practical handles of that um, gratitude happen in thinking about the blessings of God, not just in his saving me through Jesus, but in the people around me, the people he's put me with. Uh, my smiley emoji wife, uh, <laughs> who is beyond competent, who is super tough in ways that would absolutely floor people if they knew the reality. Um, thinking, thinking intentionally, um, and this is part of why for me the mornings are so important, hmm. because if I have some quiet time, I'm like, okay, yeah. this is going on, this is good, mm -hmm. yeah. this thing happened w well in this way, uh, yeah. this person's buying in. Um, so I, I run through the winds mm -hmm. and blessings in my own head. I think about the amazing people in our church who show up to serve. Yeah. Um, they're in it to win it for our vision. Um, they're people who, who have a, a sort of godly, everyday, boring, faithfulness vision for their lives. Yeah. Um, that not only makes our, you know, our, our church things happen and multiple mm -hmm. campus ministry and outreach happen well, uh, but who are day in and day out people whose lives witness to the reality of resurrection in our community. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think about them. I think about my family. I think about um, the blessing of being put in this role of helping lead this particular church to be led by God's word and not by man's rules. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's beyond what I or any human deserves. So that's for me uh, an important piece of it, along with the discipline of the early morning, mm -hmm. time in the Word, um, talking with the Lord. Yeah. Um, I, I require a whole bunch of that time. Mm. Really? Because I'm so yeah. fanatically the opposite. Yeah. Um, that if I'm not getting a lot of time in the Word, a lot of time thinking and fighting through all those kinds of things early on in the morning, um, I'm, a, I'm a wreck. Mm -hmm. Now, I, so that's how I do it. It doesn't mean, <laughs> as I think about those blessings... It doesn't mean the work of all those things, of being a father and a pastor and all those things. It doesn't mean the work is easy, um, but, but the work is good. So when you're having this personal time, is it just all Scripture, or are there specific passages of Scripture that you go to to help you through your moments of depression, or is it just Scripture in general? Um, it is particular Scriptures occasionally that I will come back to often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, It is... Both that and if I'm if I'm studying a certain passage, um, it'll just run through me mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I'm thinking about it, thinking about certain phrases, and I'll go, "Hey, wait, that reminds me of this other place." Mm. Um, and so I'll look up cross references, yeah. and then I'll get lost in it all mm. um, for a bit. And then <clears throat> for me, it's a messy. I, I'm not a I'm not a super methodical guy in lots of ways. I'm far more intuitive and messy, and it all comes together um, somehow eventually. After <laughs> I fight through the intellectual pieces, the, the emotional pieces, um, and also physical. Because for me, um, I'm walking around our uh, worship space and um, here at our Greenville campus, and I'm thinking about this passage that mm. says this and I'm going holy cow how cool is that mm. oh wait that means I don't need to worry about this thing mm -hmm. as much because da, 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 da. and then I'm off on the 
emotional pieces, how it yeah. applies to me, how it applies to others in my congregation. Mm-hmm. And so I'm doing this sort of thing that, um, this has become a jumbled, messy, intuitive answer. Um, but for me, it is not a clean thing, yeah. which is part of why I say it requires a lot of time mm-hmm. of wrestling through, thinking through, praying through, uh, yelling and screaming and <laughs> crying mm-hmm. right? yeah. Yeah. to God through yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. process. Yeah. Um, it sounds like what so. you're describing is what it means to meditate on the scripture. Yeah. Like you're just yeah, not Joshua reading. Yeah, Joshua 1.8. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're Absorb not just it, not just read it. And mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds nice. On his law, he it. meditates day and night. Uh, one particular passage uh, for me that's kind of been a mainstay is Psalm 121, 1 and 2, mm-hmm. um, yes. which is, I lift up my eyes yeah. to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Um, for me, that started... Um, to be a mainstay passage, um, because I imagine myself doing the thing that it says in the psalm. Mm. Um, I imagine myself looking up to the hills, because one of the first times that verses th- those verses came alive to me was when um, it was many years ago. Um, I was doing a graveside here out in the county, and the backdrop was the the beautiful mountain mm. range that we have here in God's country of Green County. Thank you very much. Amen. Um, and you know, it was this. Beautiful mountainous range. The clouds were all there. Uh, we were all gathered around. It was a saint. Um, it was a celebratory funeral and graveside. Um, it was, of course, sad. Yeah. Um, but with that backdrop, you know, I was reading Psalm 121, mm. and I basically refused to not use it in every graveside since. Mm-hmm. So if you all die and I do your graveside, <laughs> I'm going to use Psalm 121. That's good. Write that down. Yeah, Thanks. Just, just FYI. <laughs> Heads up. So um, it says, I lifted my eyes to the hills. And so, of course, as I'm reading it, all of these people are feeling that, mm-hmm. right? We're lifting up our eyes to the hills, yeah. and we're asking, from where does my help come? Um, and the answer is, my help comes from the Lord. And so I learned to read that I in verse 1 and the my in verse 2 here as sort of personal in a helpful way that contrasts with other places I've looked, with other things I've used. Yeah. Um, or abused um, that I thought were helps that are not. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, so my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So when I read this among that, like, you know, mountainous mm-hmm. backdrop, everybody felt the moment, and I realized it then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even the creation points me, all of us, but points even me to God's care. Yeah. Um, so he made it all. He can take care of you, you little depressed and That's prideful good. peon. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to add my inner voice, I like my inner sarcastic jerk voice right there. You can, yeah, don't, don't take that part as good exegesis of Psalm 121. <laughs> That's a beautiful answer. It is a beautiful answer, and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you are also very musical, and we've, we've enjoyed hearing you strumming on the bass uh, sometimes. And, and guitar and piano. And I was going to say, there's a few others. There, was, there were a number of years where it was the Scott Wakefield show at First Christian Church, sadly. <laughs> wow. That's why I learned to play drums in the first place, because our drummer moved away. I'm like, well, somebody's got to play him. Nice. Um, you taught yourself time to play drums. That's pretty cool. Um, not but, well. Not well. Not well. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine you just going to town on those drums, you know? <laughs> there are old videos that we will never show people. <laughs> <laughs> I will That's have funny. to find those. There is one question that we ask everybody when they come on uh, the the podcast, and that's one concerning songs that has helped them through their fire. So is there certain songs that you might listen to that give you that strength that you need to get through those moments of depression? Um, yes and no. 
um, there have been times where um, I had lots of songs that I was always listening to. And then I've gone through cycles of, I listen to no songs at all. Mm -hmm. And I listen to um, rain and yeah. um, coffee shop noise huh. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. and background as I'm doing my thing because as an ADHD, mm -hmm. can't keep myself focused guy, um, I learned, hey, I need this weird, this white weird noise. white noise huh. and huh. this undercurrent of, um, you know, yeah. weird beats going on. So I know that sounds strange, no, uh, but that has no. been part of, for me, focus amid the struggle and depression and responsibilities and weight and burden of ministry tool. Hmm. Um, so there have been phases where I'm all about this one song, uh, like Redeemed mm -hmm. uh, for Mercy Me yeah. for a good while. Oh, I, yeah. like, I listened to that hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I love you, Jesus. You know, and that, <laughs> it's just like, for me, that was one of them. Yeah. And then I went out of music phase for a while and went into discovering, oh, I can control my ADHD and this helps discipline me in this way. And that mm. was helpful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Strangely not music. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a mix of both of those now. Yeah. Um, and this is a bit of a weird one, but I've recently rediscovered my um, long lost love for sort of acoustic folksy smidge of bluegrass duo singer songwriter people. Yeah. Uh, Very nice. And so there's one called uh, Mandolin Orange. They're also called Watch House now. But um, if you look up Mandolin Orange and Watch House, it's just a husband and wife duo that writes really, really great folksy songs. Um, and he has a song about his mom's death. Um, this is going to sound like a weird <laughs> example. <laughs> it's called, it. But it's called Golden Embers. And um, it's a great song. It's a great song. You should watch the video online. Um, it's... A, it, it's it's an example of a song recently that has been a healing mm -hmm. moment for me yeah. where I've thought, because it goes through his own struggles with losing his mom. Mm. Um, and so the experience of hearing this, and he was a teenager mm. when this happened, the, the experience of listening to, to his own struggles come through that song, for me, um, puts me in touch with those feelings of sadness as things that are real as things that have an answer, as things that even if my own parents, which are both mercifully still alive, um, but they are going to die someday. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've, I've used that recently as an example of a, a helpful song for me to process through those things, to prepare ahead of time, to think of how I need to be expressing to them my gratitude and to everyone else around me, of course. Right. So like me thinking about my parents' future death is... Mm -hmm. Helpful for me thinking, I need to make sure I express gratitude to them, to them, which is helpful for me thinking, I need to make sure I'm expressing gratitude to others around me. Mm -hmm. um, that's so that's an example of, of, a, of a helpful song of late. That's yeah. pretty cool. I Sorry, remember. I don't do short answers. No, that's fine. I remember reading about that in Scott's Thoughts. Do I get brownie points? You do get brownie points. Scott's Thoughts uh, thank is you an for article being he reads each, read, uh, read, each Sunday. For, thank you for being a staff member who... Uh, who actually reads Scott's Thoughts. Who actually reads Scott's Thoughts, yes. I try my best. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't just want to hear people's stories about how they go through fires, but we also want to try to help equip people to help others who are going through fires or difficult times. How are some ways that people can help those who are struggling with depression? Are there things people do that help you? And what are things people can not say, things that are not helpful to someone going through depression? Um, I think it's obviously helpful to practice being someone who sees 
God's blessings mm -hmm. so that you can also practice being an encourager. Mm. Yeah. Encouragement is a thing that in one sense, because I'm 100% extrovert, I'm like, it's naturally who I am. I love to do that. I'm a team guy. Mm -hmm. Go team. You're so important. You're so great. You do these things well. In a sense, I'm natural with that. However, through time, as responsibilities mount, as your ability to do those kinds of things effectively uh, reduces when the responsibilities become beyond you and you have to train others and you have to help others do those kinds of things. Um, that piece of what used to come natural is not as natural now um, because <clears throat> I'm constantly struggling um, to fight against the inner voices um, and the things I see that are wrong, my own failures, etc. Um, so I've had to try to learn to, again, think about God's blessings and be grateful for them so that I can see those in others and learn to encourage them. So I, I think encouragement is, duh, it's an easy mm -hmm. answer. It's an easy Sunday school yeah. answer. But I think it's actually helpful and true and right and good sure. mm -hmm. because it names the work of God in others. And so I try to do that in ways generally that aren't just like, hey, you're doing a great job, high five. Um, but I also try to say, this thing that I see you do is so helpful in this way, and it helps these people because, so that it's tied to how their work and who God made them to be is tied into the mission, and so they have a sense of purpose beyond themselves um, and God's blessing on them. So I think, I think doing encouragement in that kind of a thoroughgoing way um, is helpful. Um, I have lots of answers for lots of things, mm -hmm. lots of the times. I'll try to, I'll try to not talk forever. This is a weird one, um, and I think it's a little bit counterintuitive. Um, I think a lot of depressed people go through life thinking that they're supposed to not be depressed, and the depression should go away, mm -hmm. and that life shouldn't be this way. Mm. I think that's I think that's just not accurate. Mm -hmm. I don't even think it's actually helpful wow. um, to think that way about life, um, because um, I've had to learn. I don't expect my sadness or depression or struggle to go away. Mm -hmm. And so I've stopped expecting that. Mm. Yeah. So instead I've had to learn to live a life with it. Mm -hmm. wow. um, and so how do I learn to cope with it is a different way of thinking about one's life. Mm -hmm. So people who, uh, and I liken this, people who have uh, chronic physical yeah. things, you know, they go on these uh, Facebook groups and and online boards and they, they talk with other people and they come up with strategies and they're very clearly thinking, um, oh, now that I have this chronic thing that's not likely going to go away, I have to think of my life differently. My life is how do I continue to move forward in a helpful way with this? It's an entirely different mindset. So people who have this physical kind of chronic thing think that way quickly. People who have emotional stuff like this they don't make that transition quickly or easily. Mm. And I don't think it's helpful to continue to go through life with expectations that struggling and suffering and frustration and anger and pain um, are gonna suddenly magically go away. Mm. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is something God develops in us. And we can, we can through sanctification, we, we can be less angry, <laughs> right. right? Sure. All right. Um, yeah. But uh, for me, I, I just, at one point I thought, I'm not sure how we expect mm -hmm. in a world that's fundamentally broken, right? Like, like if we are all actually before we are saved, all actually sinners, 
and all actually deserve the wrath of God because sin is real, mm -hmm. and the world is actually fundamentally broken. What on earth would make me expect that my depression or struggle should ever go away? Mm -hmm. So for me, that eventually became a strange freedom um, to not have to fix it myself and to not have to expect it to go away um, and to not have to expect anything or anyone else to make it go away. Like it's my job to deal with that depression. That's mm. nobody else's. Mm -hmm. It can't be. Yeah. So there's a second weird answer. <laughs> um, but the strange freedom and not expecting that yeah. it to yeah. go away. Yeah. Even in trying to deal with all that, you have to come to the realization that it's going to stay with you. And Absolutely. so somebody that comes and approaches you, mm -hmm. and if they use kind of if they use language that says, "Hey, just just get over this. Mm -hmm. Strap your what's that phrase? Pull yourself, Pull yourself up, up, up by the bootstraps. And sure. let's let's get going. Let's move on, man. Right. That kind of language is what you're saying is like you need to stay away from that kind of language because it's going to stay with the person that's dealing with depression. It's going to it's going to be with them for a long, long it time. It may be. Yeah. 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 Um, it may not be. Yeah. But I'm not sure it should be expected to be. Right. Yes. The expectation. Right. right. Shouldn't be. There. Yeah. I know. I, I think that's right. I think in a whole bunch of ways, it's not helpful to approach it that way with people and to, to say those kinds of things. Well, typically the people saying those kinds of things have never dealt with Often. depression or something like that. And so they're, yeah. they don't understand what right. it is. So they're, that's right. their best answer. They yeah. I often with. think of Job's friends yeah. who right. did it oh, right for the first few days. Yeah. Right. For the first week they were good. Right. Um, and I think, man, would I sit with somebody for a week? That's a long time to yeah. just sit there and listen um, <laughs> and to sort of be with someone mm -hmm. and sit in their pain with them. Um, I often think that for myself when I'm talking with people, I, I try not to because I notice people saying, oh, yeah, when my, when that, I, I know what that mm -hmm. is like, because when I did it, or, yeah. or my uncle did it, or my mom, blah, 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 they'll, they'll quickly start to mm -hmm. sort of try to empathize, might be the word. I'm not a big fan of that word sometimes because I think it's abused, but um, they'll, they'll try to show compassion or sympathy mm -hmm. in those ways that are about likening their situation to somebody else, which eventually can be helpful and mm -hmm. okay and good. However, uh, most of the time, just listening yeah. and, and going, okay, so when you say this, does this mean, help me understand? Mm -hmm. um, so asking questions that aren't necessarily diagnostic, like I'm not trying to fix them. Mm -hmm. I'm actually just trying to say, how does this really feel? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how you, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm giving the kind of feedback that says um, I'm to the extent that is helpful with you in it. Yeah. Um, another, <laughs> and this is sort of a bit of the opposite of what we've just said. <laughs> and this is not everybody's fix and I'm not suggesting it as such, <laughs> but this is who I am. This is how God made me. Um, so I agree. Like we just said, saying, Oh, just pull your, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, dummy, get, get past it, move on. Um, or saying, even spiritually tinged things like, oh, what's your faith problem? Or, you know, yeah, yeah. what are you not yeah. trusting God in? Or, yeah. Where, yeah. you know, those kinds of things. Um, agreed, not helpful. Comma, however, um, I am cut from a cloth mm -hmm. of, uh, like, God made me a fighter. Um, and so... I never knew that about you. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like you're fighting me right now. <laughs> How do I intellectually and verbally destroy you is my new goal. Now that you've said those words. Um, so that's kind of how he's made me. And so I, right. I try to approach this particular issue in my life 
from that perspective. Uh, so for me, when I am depressed and sad, which frankly is often, uh, multiple times a day, people don't like to hear that from pastors, uh, but I have to convince myself of my calling from mm. Christ mm. to yeah. ministry yeah. multiple times a day. So when I am feeling it all sort of rise up again, my response, and this is kind of who I am and how I've trained and disciplined myself over many years to be, uh, my response is to simply resolve again for the many, many thousandth time. Um, I'm sure I'm into the tens or hundreds of thousands of times. <laughs> I resolve again uh, to physically move my body into some sort of productive and helpful activity that moves kingdom mission forward. And so then my mind and emotions will follow. Hmm. My, my, my parents used to say something to me a long time ago that I didn't believe, uh, but that behavior precedes feeling. Hmm. And so I've just given in to that. Um, so and, and for me, it can be anything. Texting somebody who's, who's hurting, hmm. contacting somebody, going to talk to a staffer about something that, that they need, that we need, that helps them, uh, working on a sermon. I, I have had to work hard to discipline myself to just plain keep moving forward no matter what I feel, which I know sounds old school and quaint and like I'm some World War II veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think about it that way because I don't care what you're going through. I don't care who the person is. Life is a struggle. It's a battle and it requires mm-hmm. courage. And so doing the next right thing I've determined it cannot be tied to how I feel. If doing the next right thing is tied to how I feel, why would I do anything? All right. Wow. Yeah. Um, now, that's not to say that emotions are bad. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that. Emotions are pointers. Um, they're markers. Um, they say things that are true. Um, but I just had to determine a long time ago that doing the next right thing cannot be tied to how I feel, and it has to be tied to what I actually believe. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. Which is when one's life from moment to moment becomes trust in God's plans and purposes and not the way I'm feeling about anything. Yeah. And, and the hard part of that, of course, is it doesn't remove the sadness at all. Right. No. Right. And, and, and I don't, and, and I got there over many years of discipline. Not that I do it perfectly. I don't at all. Uh, I, I vacillate constantly. Um, okay. Consistently throughout the day. Um, <laughs> um, it, so, so that strategy for me, it doesn't remove the sadness. Um, and that, I wouldn't say that strategy is for every way. Um, God made me a certain way. Um, believe me. I'm so incredibly full of prideful drive and ego and push forward no matter what. Well, everything you've been saying today, Scott, is, is gold. And right, we, right. Thank you for saying that. We, Thank I'm, you for lying to me. I mean it. This has been really it's good been stuff. very good. As an addicted to people-pleasing person. <laughs> who, as addicted to people ple- Thank you for saying that. Yes, and but we do really appreciate you coming on today, sharing with us your story. And I, I hope that this has been a help to others who may have been experiencing bouts of depression. I recently read a statistic concerning depression in the United States from the National Institute of Mental Health. Now, that sounds very official as it well, does. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It does. And that it said in that... Um, must that be true. Ar- it must to be. Because it was in the internet. But in that article, it said an estimated 17.3 million adults in the United States has had at least one major depressive episode. And this this number represents 7.1% of all U.S. adults. So the reason why I gave those statistics is because this is a real issue that the church has to face. 
and they're going to need resources to minister to people who are struggling with depression. And I was wondering if you could share a valuable resource that we have here at FCC that we use to help minister to those struggling with depression and other difficulties in their life. Yeah, um, a number of years ago, so I've been to the place of clinical burnout slash depression twice and was under professional care. And some of that was preceded by, I'd never experienced panic attacks in my life, had two of them. Mm. Um, And it was just uncontrollable grief and sadness and, Mm. um, and emptiness and crying and bawling like a baby, Mm. um, going fetal Mm. on the floor of my office for like 20 to 30 minutes that I I couldn't stop. I couldn't even stop it. So I knew, whoa, something is going on here. In working through the kinds of things that preceded all that, I began to realize some of where I got is born out of a culture that has to be undone, helped by people who can be the tools for caring for one another, that doesn't depend on them entirely, and yet that does help. Um, and so we w- began looking as a church into some things. Um, celebrate recovery. <laughs> celebrate recovery was becoming popular at the time among lots of churches, and so we were looking at things like that um, that could be um, a place for people to work through um, whatever their well, CR says habits, hurts, and hangups are. Um, and so we began looking at a number of curricula related to that. For us, we wanted it to be a very discipleship-focused training that also had some theological heft to it. Um, And so we came across Regeneration Recovery, and we found it and realized, ooh, this is exactly what our people need. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the kind of thing that's so thoroughgoingly Christ-centered, grace-focused, biblically founded, mm-hmm. um, the whole thing, it's basically just a bunch of Bible um, yeah, it is. <laughs> put together with a re- rewritten 12 steps. Uh, and the 12 steps go through you know, what God's grace is, how we respond to it, how he regenerates us, you know, those kinds of things. And so that process of working through that, w- when we began to see that, uh, we sent a dozen folks from our congregation to a local region uh, to test it out, to go through it. And so after a year and a half-ish of us vetting it, going through it, um, we realized this would be a perfect thing for people struggling with anything and everything mm-hmm. um, or not sure what they're struggling with and they want to work through some things that they know need some help and answers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's all the way from, quote, traditional recovery things that people think of um, to people like me struggling with depression yeah. uh, and everything in between and everybody's got multiple things. So for us, um, Regen was an important part of giving our people tools to work through those things in the context of Bible-centered, uh, grace-focused community with others um, that was a safe place to work through all that. So um, that was super helpful for me and super, super helpful for a number of our other folks. Uh, it, it's actually so important for us that we require, quote, require it, uh, for our leaders who are leading anybody that is a group of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Life groups, small groups, serve team leaders, a coach at a campus, staff, elders. 
Uh, yeah, when we came night. on staff in June, mm-hmm. and we heard that it was required for us. To be honest, where I was thinking like, I don't need, I don't need this stuff, <laughs> but you know, Scott says I gotta do it, so I'll do it. You and, were already that awesome. Yeah, yes, yeah, I was so exactly. cool, and I didn't have any problems and everything. But now being in it and being in it for several weeks now, um, and there was a long period of time uh, where I wasn't in it because I was in the hospital and all that stuff, uh, and I just longed to be in it because it mm-hmm. is a great program uh tell us a little bit more about when when they meet here for all our greenvillian listeners and how long it goes and a little bit of information there yeah we meet on mondays and uh there are two main parts to the night one's the large group setting uh we sing a few songs we have a large group teaching and then we break off into the small groups small groups are uh, are broken down into two categories one is called groundwork that basically is just beginning to build trust with people that will eventually become a small group, mm-hmm. introducing concepts that are used. Some of that's recovery language that are that's used later on in the curriculum. Some of it is um, biblical theological stuff. Um, but for that part of it, nobody has to be a Christian. Um, and so you can come if you're not a Christian. But then when you get into the small group part, which is 12 steps, uh, takes about an entire year-ish, not quite, generally. Um, it's about a year, though. Um, and it's quite a bit of book work, we call it, um, that takes you in the first three steps through, this is who Jesus is, this is what he's done for us, this is who you are as a result of all that. It takes you through admit, believe, trust in those first three. And for those first three, you don't have to be a Christian. Uh, people who just need help mm-hmm. yeah. can come. And so they do. Um, but then at <laughs> step three, when you start going beyond that, um, you're beginning to depend on Christ as the solution for all the things you're saying. And so that's a prerequisite at that point. Um, and of course, I'm obviously giving more information than you said. It starts, no, it's, good. it's every it's Monday good. night, yep. um, and there are two parts of it, and it starts at um, 6.30 and goes to 8.30. And how much does it cost? It costs zero dollars <laughs> technically. I'm sorry, I should say that the other way. It ta- costs $10 a book technically, um, and we ask people to, quote, donate that uh, per book. There are eight books total, uh, if you include two in groundwork and six in the step groups. Um, but, you know, if cost is prohibitive for anybody, no big deal. We got a bunch of rich folks like the Red Inks who can pitch in extra. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. Rich old <laughs> folks. <laughs> rich old folks. That's y'all. Yeah. For sure. That's Josh. Yes. So um, Regen's super great. It lasts for those two hours every single Monday night. Sign up, show up, either way. Um, it's super helpful. Very important. Um, for me, I used Regen... And so there are a number of things that I say that are my, quote, recovery issues. Um, I say, hi, my name is Scott. I have a new life in Christ. And I am recovering from performance-based acceptance. That's the first thing I Mm -hmm. say. And so I realized in working through Regen, so much of who I became was related to sort of performance-ism, like my worth and value is based on how I perform, Mm -hmm. which, of course, is based on other people. Mm -hmm. And so then I realized, oh, I'm a a people pleaser. I'm not just like an achiever of things. I'm a pleaser of people. And that's where that comes from. And then I also realized, oh, wait, that's a form of a pharisaical sort of law keeping um, that that I learned from them that I also have imposed on others. So it's also a works righteousness. So in working through region, I realized performance-based acceptance for me is a way to say all of those together, Mm -hmm. uh, meeting my needs from the praise and adulation of others, uh, them thinking I'm capable, them looking up to me, blah, blah, blah. and that was born out of a lot of things that I grew up in. Um, so that's just one example of a number of things that I say that are my, quote, recovery issues yeah. um, that, that, that fed for me 
what eventually became depression. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, our time has gone, and but it's been a joy hearing your story. Thanks for sharing, Scott. I really yep, yep. appreciate it. Glad I, to be here. As I said earlier, I hope this is a help to others, and uh, I know it's been a help to me. Yes. Yep, definitely. Very much so. You bet. Maybe we have a listener today who's hearing this interview and you've been encouraged by Scott's story. We want to hear if this has been helpful to you. Let us know through Facebook and Twitter or go to thehopethroughthefire.com and connect with us through the contact page. Thank you, Scott, so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come yep, yep. on the podcast. Um, it's been a great blessing. And uh, uh, Thanks, y'all. Yeah, it's been awesome. Now go ahead and like, share, and subscribe if this has been a blessing to you. And be sure to join us next time as we hear a story of hope through the fire. And hear how God turned ashes into something beautiful. I know you're evil, and I know you can. My soul